Hello everyone, welcome to What I Mean to Say, where we're trying to make science more accessible. Here today, Michael Wu, a scientist with over eight years of PhD level research experience in advanced microscopy, immunology, microbiology, cell biology, and physics. He's been a consultant to pharmaceutical companies. He's the current chair of the Yale Postdoc Association, an event organizer, mentor, proficient in four languages, and my friend, uh, again, that's Michael Boot, and he's going to talk to us today about one way that computers, machine learning, and artificial intelligence can help us in the fight against COVID-19. Hi, Michael. How are you doing today? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for inviting me, and thanks for the intro. Yeah, well, I'm super pumped that you're here. Um, I've really enjoyed our, all, all of our past conversations about this cool work that you're doing. So why don't you just give us a brief introduction to your background, especially in, re in relation to this project that we're going to talk about today? Sure. So I'm from the Netherlands, and as some people sometimes notice, I have a I have an accent. They can't always place it, but I, I do. So I'm from the Netherlands originally. I did my PhD in Amsterdam in microbiology and did research on uh, tuberculosis. Afterwards, I ended up going to Yale to do my postdoc. Got a postdoctoral fellowship to pursue more investigations on TB, but this this time using advanced microscopy and specifically super resolution microscopy. During the pandemic and during the last few weeks, one thing I noticed is that working in a wet lab and doing experiments, and especially doing experiments with multiple people, is not possible because of the restrictions. And so as such, I, I had a bunch of, of free time on my hands. Three months ago, when this started, when the pandemic started in, in the US, I registered for this database, which is hosted by Harvard for scientists that volunteered at time to help out during the COVID pandemic. And about two months ago or two and a half months ago, I got a cold email from a person who said, hey, I am working on a project to do quick literature researching on using AI on producing reviews on all these topics for COVID-19. And we're working together with Google, Microsoft, Kaggle, and the White House. And since you're the chair of the Yale Postdoc Association, I'm hoping you and some other postdocs at Yale could jump in and help out. Do you have time for a call tonight at 9 p.m.? And this was on a Sunday. Wow. That's how this happened. I, I, I was at friends having dinner. I jumped on this call. We paused the movie we were watching. Um, and I met the, um, the CEO of Kaggle, who was in the call to help out and instruct people for, for this project. So that's Anthony Goldblum. I had never heard of him, but my friends who work in physics got really excited when I told them. So apparently he actually is a big shot in the field. And of course, now I now that I've read up, I, I realize he is. And awesome. fantastic. I think it'd be great just for a few of our listeners if you just briefly said what Kaggle is and sort of how it's it's useful in this context. Yeah, absolutely. So basically Kaggle is how I see it is a site that hosts competitions. And these competitions are accessible to mostly everyone. But the prerequisite is that you have to do some coding, usually using Python. So that means that there are challenges using machine learning and AI posted on the Kaggle website that, for instance, say, hey, we need a quick way to identify whether there are more people on the street when the sun is shining versus when it's raining. And we have all this camera footage. And we want you to be able to write an algorithm that we can then ask, okay, how many people will be on the street today given this weather? So it sort of solves using AI and machine learning 
practical challenges, or in this case, scientific challenges. And for this specific project, the Kaggle team was involved because we basically wanted to create out of all the literature that was arising from COVID-19. And those are a lot of papers. There's about 160,000 papers, I think, right now uh, that are released. At some point, it doubled every week. And the challenge there is to dig through all of these papers as a scientist to find and extract useful information for your project, for your book chapter, for your review, or for your grant. And therefore, the idea behind this, this challenge was, how do you write an algorithm or AI that when given a certain question about the nature of, of this virus can very rapidly extract all the relevant information from this huge, huge heap of, of publications. Wow, so that is fantastic. That is so exciting. So for some of our listeners there who aren't familiar with what machine learning is, it's basically the study of computer algorithms that can improve automatically through experience. So basically, this is a subset of the field of artificial intelligence. And the idea behind it is that there's a mathematical model, and it's based on some sample data set known as training data. Uh, and then it makes predictions or decisions without being explicitly programmed to make those decisions using what it learned from the training data. And so, Michael, what you're saying here is essentially that using this kind of an approach, we can essentially automate the work of a PI. Is that, is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> or, or a postdoc for that matter. Or a postdoc, yeah, whoever does so, the writing. <laughs> so, yeah, so essentially, if you, for instance, have a question about how long does the coronavirus survive on plastic, the idea would be to have a search engine where you can post that question, you click on search, and this search engine, powered by machine learning, will then identify all the relevant papers related to that topic. And not only that, we've also been trying to work in a way where it will list the papers that have been found, but also extract some useful metrics for your search so that you can decide there and then if this is something you want to include. And this, of course, you awesome. can filter and play around with. It has this nice view option and filter options. And, and, and so you can ideally, in a, in a very quick glance, see and select what you want to include in your manuscript or in your grant. Fantastic. So let's just give one quick example here. So let's say the question was, what is the effect of various kinds of surfaces on virus viability? Uh, what, what kind of metrics could uh, some of these algorithms possibly extract that would be shown? Yeah, so for each, so the nice thing about this project is I, ideally you would always want to have some sort of customized format of output. But what we started with is having eight different formats that have standardized metrics for outputs. For the case of you using surfaces or looking at surface lifetime of the virus, some of the metrics we included was time. So what time does it take for a virus to reach half of its numbers? So sort of the LD50 of the service, uh, which is like a lethal dose term. One of the other things is what kind of material are we looking at? How many studies report this? And I think in the case for SARS coronavirus specifically, we, we also map which virus it is because you can imagine that there may be a study where they compare several viruses. So then it would say SARS coronavirus 2, but we also tested MERS or we also tested SARS coronavirus 1. So those are just some of the outputs that we, we have included. Awesome. Fantastic. So I would love to hear a little bit more context about what your role was in this project. What did you do? What did it look like? What was your uh, regular experience there? 
Yeah, so from the early start on, they basically the, the team started with about 20 different people. And as you can imagine, to be able to have a software or an AI identify these types of metrics and papers, as you said before, you need to feed it training data. And the training data in this case are handmade tables in the format that we just mentioned, one of these, for instance, eight formats that are created by actual human beings and, and populated to an extent where we could use it as a reference for the machine learning algorithm and, and give it to the AI to train. And my role in this was uh, supervising, and, and with this, we have all these fancy titles nowadays, and, and it's called the, the task force leader, but it was basically supervising all the people, and these were over 200 individuals that manually curated different questions and different tables for coronavirus research. And the idea is to then give these tables to the AI and for machine learning. But in the meanwhile, we also made sure that the people who curated the tables would ultimately be included in, in a literature review if their question would, uh, would be picked out. So there's sort of a, a dual purpose there. And actually, excitingly, we, we're now working on trying to prove that Suppose your mission is to start writing a review on a certain topic, such as the survival of the virus on surfaces, uh, whether you would be quicker when you have a manually curated table to start with or whether you would start from scratch searching yourself. And as you can imagine, we, we very likely expect that the people who have a list of 200 papers to start with are going to be a bit faster in writing than people to start from scratch. But this is being analyzed in an, uh, in an IRB study where we basically analyze whether the tool is effective and hopefully this will be published as a large um, consortium effort with all the curators on it as well. Fantastic. Awesome. So uh, where is the project right now? What's kind of the current status of all this work? Sounds like a lot of work, right? Yeah, it's been a bunch of work. There were over, I think over 400 people involved in in total and it, it, what we did was there was a kaggle challenge and these challenges have an end date the end date actually passed and the winner has been picked or the winners have been picked for the different table formats so now what we're trying to do is we're we're sort of rounding up the, the part of the the kaggle challenge but on behind the scenes we're trying to find pis to work with us in the irb study to show that the tool is actually effective and writing up that part in a paper form. In the meanwhile, all these individual PIs who are, who are participating in this IRB study, they are also writing up reviews, which are also going to be published. So there's like a bunch of about 20 to 25 reviews being written and then one massive IRB study paper that's being written as well. Additionally, there is also there are also a few collaborations with commercial parties that want to take up this project. So we, we have a few companies we're talking to to see if they want to adopt the AI or adopt this system to, to make it available publicly. One of the more likely candidates would, for instance, be Cochrane, which is a very popular website that has access to journal articles and, and preprints. So you can imagine the tool as such being implemented on their website so that people can use it. Because all the data and code is open source, so we, we just plan to use it for the, for the greater good. Um, we don't want to. We don't want to have it hidden behind any paywall. It should be available for everyone. And also, one other thing I can mention is we we have been collaborating with the Jackson Lab, 
who are very interested in mouse research related to coronavirus. So we've been working together with them to, to make sort of a subset of, of mouse studies for coronavirus and a, and a searching tool on their website. So that's something we're, we're, doing, uh, we're doing right now with a handful of curators. Awesome. That is so cool. So I'd like to take a little step back now and maybe a, l- a little bit more realistic or dreamy approach. What are you trying to get out of this? Where do you, where do you kind of see this going in the future yourself? Are there uh, as like potential directions either for yourself or for the project as a whole? Mm, that's a good question. So I started out doing this because I w- I'm a microbiologist and I, I, I felt particularly useless studying TB during a pandemic. So I really had a strong desire to do something meaningful or useful with my time in addition to the work I'm doing um, at Yale. So it started out as sort of a helping hand, trying to do something that can be used by other researchers that do actual research on coronavirus. And it slowly transitioned into something that became a, a huge project. And I think now... Looking at this, I really, really hope that not only this tool will be adapted to use for coronavirus research, but in general, I think having an having a tool, a search engine that can dig through literature for you on any scientific topic would save people so much time. And I think it would be extremely valuable for the scientific community at large. I really hope that it would be open source, publicly available for free for everyone, as that's how how it was meant. And I really hope it will be used as widely as possible. And I think most of us and all the people that worked on it have have the same idea about that. It's actually pretty funny that when Tayap, the the lead for for the project together with Anthony, when they started chatting, the people they initially spoke to at Google and Microsoft, they basically laughed at Tayap saying, wait, you manually search for articles and and journal papers and you're saying that you don't have some form of ai that helps you with that and he said no and it just they couldn't believe it so i also think this sort of cross-pollination between ai machine learning uh, people people that work with coding and, and sort of work programming side of this collaborating with actual scientists is a very interesting and, and useful experiment both for for us benefiting from the technology but also for them, I spoke to a lot of people who do programming who learned a lot about data extraction or what, how to identify what is relevant in a manuscript. So this whole subfield has benefited from interaction with young scientists. So that's been good. Awesome. Fantastic. So is there any way, so let's say that someone out there, one of our listeners wanted to either learn more about the project or see if there was any possible way they could get involved how would they go about doing that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think for some of the aspects of the project, we're, we're sort of building down the amount of efforts put in. However, we still have a bunch of things to do related to collaborations. I think in general, if people are interested in how this works, Kaggle, a Kaggle account is, is free to make. Uh, the Python code is open source, so anyone who would be interested in playing around with this algorithm yourself or or see how it works could very much do so. I provide you with the link so that people can uh, can access the notebook that has won the challenge. If people are interested in helping out, they can for sure send me an email and and briefly list what their uh, what their interests are, or what their expertise is, and 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 maybe 
say a few words on what they think they, uh, they would be able to help out with. And I'd be happy to, uh, to talk to them. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time here. I really appreciate it. This is really fascinating work. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in it. And it opens up a bigger topic of how machine learning, how AI can be used to make science more efficient, more interconnected, faster. That way we can get more done. I mean, I know this is a perennial problem for all people, but, you know, especially on scientists, we're under a whole lot of pressure by funding agencies, by bosses, by you know, whether that be a PI or manager or otherwise. Uh, and so if we can use tools that make our work even more efficient, tools that work for us, rather than just keeping track of the ways in which we're falling behind, I think that that would be fantastic.